And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast playoff edition. The Blue Jackets host game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Blue Jackets Bruins tonight at 730. And it's been this series I think everyone expected. Three one-goal games, two in overtime. The Blue Jackets take a 2-1 series lead with a 2-1 to win. On Tuesday, great building. It's going to be another one tonight. Allison Lucan joins me. Hello. Tom Reed is here. Good day. And lots to talk about with the Blue Jackets. Uh, I think the the story that sort of ate yesterday whole <laughs> was the uh, Brad Marchand, who has a way of doing these things. Um, end of game three, kind of a jab, a a chop. I don't know that it was a full-blown punch, but it wasn't my head, so uh, easy to say. But he got Scott Harrington vulnerable position on his knees, looking at Sergei Bobrovsky. Marshawn comes up behind him, cracks him in the back of the head. Minute and one seconds left in the game. No call, incredibly. Uh, and the Blue Jackets were furious, but quickly moved on. Uh, and really didn't care to talk about it much yesterday. I was going to say they didn't think it was a... It was it was a, a uh, nice thing to do. Certainly should have been penalized, but no plans for retaliation. Uh, wondering your thoughts on this. How does this guy continually get away with stuff that would have otherwise been a penalty for almost anybody else? Tom Reed. Uh, remember, we, Porter, you and I have talked about this before. I don't know if we included Allison sometimes. But there's guys that do stuff so many times. It's like, oh, that's just their move, right? It's like Kevin McHale always traveled, but that was his move. And right. this is March. Right. I think the Flyers of the 70s operated under the whole idea that they're not going to call everything. They can't call everything we do. So we'll just keep doing things, and we might get away with more things than, than not. Um, yeah, it was just – obviously, it's, he shouldn't have been doing it. Um, fortunately, there was nobody injured. I think Marshawn is just right now completely frustrated because – uh, the other part of Todd Marshawn is he's a really, really good player. And uh-huh. we haven't seen uh-huh. that. We have not seen that part of him to this point in the series. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. 
it, it, you would think it's going to happen at some point. But right now, all he's been doing he's, right now, what he's known for this in the series is stepping on Cam Atkins' stick and 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 punching uh, uh, Scott Harrington in the back of the head. And I, to be honest with you, I think the Blue Jackets will take that if that's all he's remembered for in this series. I think the Blue Jackets are fine with that. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, honestly, again, it, it's not my head, but I didn't think it was suspendable. I think it feels suspendable if you consider the perpetrator, right? That's what changes it. Um, I thought it definitely was a penalty. Um, and to your point, Tom, we've talked about this before. Uh, if, if the kid in class is caught smoking, who is always fighting, if he pulls a girl's pigtail, come on, dude, get it together, right? You've done all this other yeah. stuff. It is what it is. If the grade A student reaches over and yanks the girl's hair, Go to the office. What the hell do you think you're doing? Right, right. That's the way it is. Um, it's not right. It's not fair. I just don't understand with four guys on the ice wearing stripes why there's not someone almost constantly looking at the problem. <laughs> because it's it's coming. You know it's coming. And I loved Bruce Cassidy yesterday saying, we've talked to, to Brad about this. The target. His number's been circled. And I'm listening to him going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, no, no. Guys aren't coming after. It wasn't his head that got hit. He's the guy that did the, the punching to the back of the player's head. Yeah. Uh, so what What did you make of the Blue Jackets' response to it yesterday? Because it was kind of a yawn and a shrug, a lot like the Atkinson stick stomp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to speak to responses, I mean, that, that's another thing that I think um, is just disappointing in terms of not only does Marshawn take the hit, but then he skates away, right? He doesn't even stand in there, um, yeah, right. which, I, I, you know, that's just not a good look. Um, the Jackets were, were just, they're not going to let it get to them, which I think is huge. That was what I was concerned about when the Atkinson stuff happened in the first place was that this was going to become their focus versus their game. And they're again showing they can't do it. But, you know, my, my bigger issue here and what I'm just so frustrated with, and I keep bringing this up and Ken Dryden has brought it up is when are we going to say that hits to the head flat out are not acceptable? I mean, we're sitting here talking about Brad Marchand and this and that, but right. these hits can literally ruin people's lives. They shouldn't be okay. We should be making sure first and foremost, and, and we have since, but first and foremost, making sure Scott <clears throat> Harrington is okay. Um, this, this, this kind of play is so dangerous to these players long-term, men and women, that, that we need to have a serious conversation about disallowing them altogether. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. One thing I wanted to, I think, uh, I'm trying to call this up real quick. Um, uh, Batman was asked yes. about this yesterday. Did yes. you guys, his response was, uh, uh, Batman asked about Marshawn punch to the back of the head. I'm sorry. I'm reading this right off Twitter. That play should have been penalized. Batman says, he said, <laughs> this is your point. Aaron says Marshawn was warned by player safety today that if it happens again, should look forward to a suspension next time, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> next time we're going to get. Yeah, you. I mean, you you just hope you just hope that on this after six suspensions by the seventh that the guy gets it. But we sh there's a little grace period there. <laughs> but like, but this is like we talk about this. I mean, I am not a parent, but this is like a parent saying, "Oh, I'm you know next time I'm going to punish." It's not it's not effective. It's just not effective. Yeah, right. You keep. Right. Um, and again, like if Scott Harrington does that to Brad Marchand, all hell breaks loose. 
Yeah. Seriously. And it's probably it's it might be two games. That's how goofy it works. Like it, I do think it's all it's all sort of it's put into this relativism chamber. And well, that's him, but he's also done this, and that's not what that is. So this is going to be this. It was Scott Harrington. He wasn't hurt, right? Well, and and our guy was getting hit too. Which again, if, if we did something, said, so, well, it's because so and so did it to me first. Come on. Yeah. Well, plus sort of scrums and shoves and pushes in front of the net after a puck stop. That's kind of within the confines of hockey. I, I don't think you want to open the game up to people skating up behind people and. Popping him in the back of the head, but I, you, you can you can defend anything. Some of the uh, yeah, some of the response yesterday it, it's hilarious because you just turn things around and you go, wow, well, yeah, that's not. I don't think you'd I don't think you'd see the play that way if it happened in a different uh, different direction. And there's lots of stuff going on. Let's talk about. It. Let's move on and talk about this. We expect this to be a physical series. It has been a physical series. I don't think it's been the heavyweight fight that people are making it out to be necessarily, but it's been really physical. The one thing that struck me is that just five on five, it's hard really for either of these teams to sustain much of anything. And it's turned into a special teams series, which has been good for the Blue Jackets because their power play continues to, to hum along. We'll talk about the power play momentarily, but Allison, tell me about the five on five play for both of these teams. The goalies, have been pretty damn good, both sides. Bobrovsky for Columbus, Tuka Rask for Boston. Um, but it's hard for either of these two teams to get much going because the checking's been so severe. Absolutely. And it, it's funny, as much as we celebrated, if you will, the effectiveness of the Jackets forecheck, that 1-2-2, two, two, Boston's another team that does the exact same thing, right? So th- there's just no ice. There are layers of defense Um it, it's just so hard to get the puck through. And when you do it, dumping it in on, on both sides, I mean, it is just a sludgy drag right. through the mud. Right. Yeah, five-on-five five play. Yeah. Tom, are you digging the five-on-five five quagmire that we have? Uh, what's Bob always say? It is what it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I think we're kind of leading to, and as you just mentioned, Aaron, I mean, this is – the. Special teams are so important at this time of year. Uh, they, they can just absolutely make or break a series. Uh, and so far, except for the one shorthanded goal that opened the series uh, by the Bruins, it, it is that – wait, they did score a shorthanded goal to open the series, didn't they? Did they not? They or am did. I thinking Tampa Bay? No, both did, actually. Both did. Okay, okay. so, yeah, some of these games – you know, you know, covering the Blue Jackets, all these playoff games are starting to run together. You know, <laughs> you know, just because uh, we, we cover so many of them over the years. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think the the special teams have been terrific for the Blue Jackets, and I think we're going to get into a little bit more of that right now. <laughs> the five on five play. I mean, they're both two physical, not overly physical, but two really physical teams with good defending players. I don't think we should be surprised. Um, Allison, you brought to life the power play and why it's working. Matthew Shane has scored two huge power play goals, both game winners. Um, what is going on with that unit? I mean, it's one of those stories that it's like so many other things with this team. It was just a bit of a, a chat show during the regular <laughs> season. And then the playoffs start starting. It's like a major weapon especially that one the other night that they scored at the end of. Tell us what's going on with the power play. 
Yeah, I mean, there there are certainly player-specific adjustments, um, in my opinion, that are going on that are effective, but we're not going to find those out now. Um, that's going to take till the end of the series, if not the end of the season. But what, what's really working is a couple things. They've, they've switched off to a two-man drop entry, uh, which is letting them just be more effective, getting the puck into the zone with control. They got Matt Duchesne, who's obviously winning face-offs, which allows them, if they're in the zone, to stay in the zone with possession and get set up in formation. And, and when they're in formation, everyone is just really adhering to their roles. Basically, they moved out Zach Wierenski, put in Seth Jones up there at the point um, because he has the quicker shot. Um, he's a right-handed shot, and he is firing at an insane rate right now, particularly compared to how he was firing during the regular season. So he's firing the puck. Artemi Panarin is being double-teamed and focused on, but what his job now is not so much to create offense, but to retrieve the puck and feed it back up to the top of the cycle. So he's getting the puck back up. Jones can feed to Atkinson on the right because Atkinson's being left completely unattended in many cases. His ability to create shots, he has more than doubled um, the shots he's creating on the power play by the passes he is able to complete. Um, And then you have... Duchesne and, and Nick Felino, who are really controlling the flow of bodies down low and in the middle. And, and obviously we have seen Duchesne's skill that, that provides that finish. So it's just each of the guys performing their roles to an elite degree right now. And honestly, some luck. Their shooting percentage is great. Um, and, and this is how the puck bounces, right? Maybe this is the payoff for, for two years of, of crappy power play. Yeah, and, and Tortorella talked about their puck retrieval. Uh, you mentioned it with Dubinsky and, or sorry, with uh, Duchesne and Felino and those guys and uh, Panarin. The one guy, the one thing about Seth Jones's game, and let's talk about him for a little bit if we can, because he's been an absolute beast in these playoffs. The one thing that the like, I see him carry the puck. I see his shot. I see all of that he does offensively, and I go, man, that, that's a hell of a player. I see him defend, and in, in these playoffs, he's been even more physical than usual. Um, just, just really really carrying weight in the defensive zone. The one thing about his game that has always blown me away is his ability to move laterally with the blue line, Mm. to track down pucks and keep pucks in the zone and keep power plays alive. And he did that uh, two night uh, game two uh, to his right, to his left. And eventually the blue jacket scored. He did it the other night on the, on uh, Duchesne's power play goal as well. Uh, Boy, this is a player who's really coming into his own and is really sort of using these playoffs as a launch point, I think, to, to even more league-wide recognition. Tom, can you speak to that? Yeah, Allison mentioned it today uh, about that. And uh, Felino had a great uh, great quote that uh, the Clippers could use him. He may have to try out for the Clippers because he can play. He's, he's a shortstop out there, right? I mean, Aaron, right. you've covered enough baseball that his range on the power play, the game, the game winner uh, in game two – he got to both walls, right? Yeah, yeah. Both walls to keep pucks in. And then the other night he makes a play. And I, again, I think it's athleticism, but I think there's something else there. I think it's just, and this is something you can't teach, is just athleticism, or I'm sorry, anticipation. He anticipates plays. He anticipates where the puck's going. So I think he gets that first kind of half stride or stride, I don't know what you would say it, uh, to kind of get to an area where he thinks he's going to, the puck's going to go, and uh, terrific, and just the rest of it. I, I mean, but Duchesne, after it took him just a bit of a, a bit of time, he's, I mean, he's made a huge difference. I mean, scoring goals, just in 
we, I tweeted this the other night and talked to some other people about it. His ability to pass from below the goal line back out into the, into the play is better than any Blue Jacket I've ever seen. The guy's only been here, was he been here a month? But from behind the goal line, he had a play the other night, and I don't know if people remember it. He had a guy coming, cutting to the net, which you're thinking, okay, that's the obvious pass right there. No, he passes it beyond to the second guy that's coming in, and they get a great chance, a great look. And I, just to me, he is just tremendous at, at doing that. Yeah. And one thing about him, too, that um, didn't make the story today, but that was equally fascinating, to your point, Aaron, of, of how he's carrying himself. I, I was talking to him about that retrieval there late, the, the shortstop retrieval. And all of those guys were on the ice for pretty much two minutes, if not longer, um, on both sides of that power play. And he said, I said, Seth, were you tired? He said, I was exhausted. And if you watch him, he retrieves the puck there on the left, and he admitted, he said, I stopped and took a deep breath. And the fact that he is in control enough of the play and commanding enough respect from opponents that he literally could stop, take a breath, reset, and then make the play is just incredible to me. I mean, just a statement on what he's getting and able to do on the ice. Um, Tom, you mentioned playing shortstop for the Clippers, which immediately made me think of the one player not comparing their games, obviously, because they're two different games, but the personality of the player uh, and the way that the player carries himself that Seth Jones reminds me of so much that I had the pleasure of covering when he played for the Clippers and Derek Jeter. Oh, yeah, yeah, great comparison. They, they have that that thing about them. And I remember when Derek Jeter came to Columbus and they were like, he's gonna, everybody knew he was going to spend one year in Columbus. And he was phenomenal. But it was it was the most um, routine moments where you'd go, wow, like the two hopper to shortstop that was so smooth that just didn't look like what other people did with it. The way that they carried themselves. And Allison, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I've always been amazed. Um, I, I think I'm this way. I think most people are this way. You kind of have to screw things up a few times before you figure them out. I can't imagine the dumb shit I would have said. If I was 18 years old and some were talking to me every day, I can't imagine. And for players like Seth Jones, and yes, his dad was a professional athlete. That certainly helps. Of course it does. That shows you that that's a roadmap. But he has always just carried himself in such a way. It's not, no, nothing's ever too big yep. for him. He always feels like he's prepared for the moment that he is in. And he's one of those guys you sit from up above and you watch him. And you're in the room and you see how he carries himself. And it's rare that that I think this. I don't know if, if if you guys ever have reached this point with anybody. Tom, you've covered some certainly some transcendent athletes. What a joy it is to see these kind of people work and do their jobs up close. Do you, Tom? Do you ever get that feeling with certain guys that you've been have been asked to cover? Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it, I mean, LeBron is you know LeBron James is for me the by far the best athlete I ever got to cover for a couple of years day to day. And it's just, it was like all the pressure. There's, there was never more hype in the history of sport on any one athlete coming, going directly from high school to the pros. And LeBron just was like, he handled it really well. And it's just like, it's like you're saying, how, how can, how can you do that? Of course, you know, LeBron may have made a, you know, some crazy comments here or there, 
but just the way they carry themselves right just it is just amazing and and i and it was interesting when talking to getting bringing it back to to jones i'm always fascinated by these national guys or or guys that cover every team that played the game like brian engblom it's the first thing he noticed about seth jones we were talking talking to him last week is his demeanor and just that confidence that confidence that radiates with other guys like i got this yeah. Don't worry, I got this. And, and I you think, can just oh, yeah. see it. Go ahead. No, I, I, just to, I, I was just going to say the exact same thing, Tom. I think that much like we talk about how Sergei Bobrovsky's confidence in net emanates out to the rest of this team, I feel that when Seth Jones is on the ice. I feel that when he's regrouping the play, about to set up the breakout when he's behind the net. I feel that when he's on the power play. He is just – he just oozes – calm and confidence I feel like and I think his teammates feed off that it's the example that they follow yeah and if, if you ask a question he doesn't like <laughs> he'll, he'll either put it right back at you in a, in a um, friendly way yes or reshape it or, or not answer I'm not going to answer that no you know yeah. come on he's always in control of the situation totally he, there's no there's no issues with that so I mean Oof. You look at some of the big Blue Jackets acquisitions through the years. That one, that one certainly jumps near the top of the list for me. Uh, what else do we need to get here, folks? Game four tonight, seven thirty p.m. is puck drop. It'll be on NBC Sports Network. Correct. Doc Emmerich with the call. Um, Blue Jackets have a two-one lead in the series. They get a chance to go up three-one, heading back to Boston. Tom Reed, anything to add to this fine edition of Front of Nationwide? No, this is just going to be a, uh, it's a great game. You would think, you would think the Blue Jackets would have to play their best game in the series because I can't imagine that that they're going to be able to completely hold down the Bruins' top players the way they have this part. That is too veteran of a club to understand that they have to win this game. Much as the way that I think the Blue Jackets got the the best shot from Tampa Bay in game four uh, where their star players finally played a little bit. The Bruins, I think the Bruins understand they can't go down three, one in this series, the way that Columbus is playing and the momentum they're gathering. So I think this is, I, I expect this to be the toughest game of the series for the blue Jacks to win, but I think they can. I just, it just, uh, I think they're going to have to play their best game. And Aaron, you've mentioned this. You don't think that either team has gotten quite to their game yet. I would expect that tonight. Yeah, I don't think – I think they're both playing their asses off. I just don't think either team's played particularly well. Right. John Tortorella sort of went there yesterday saying that they've got a lot of stuff that they can clean up and they, he plans to go over it with them. But there's he, – he, they, I don't think he likes a lot of the stuff he sees and it may be right back to the five on on five play. I mean, really, game three is the first time the Blue Jackets held the lead in, in a game for any sustained amount of time. Uh, so I, I think both teams feel like they can get a lot better. Uh, Allison, your expectations of Game Four? Uh, I, I everything Tom said. I think it's just going to be a battle. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be. I don't think this is going to be boring at all. <laughs> this is. I, I'm looking forward to this one for sure. So tense. Yes. If I can, Aaron, I'd like to before we wrap up. I just real quick. People may have seen it on social. I know we all mentioned it, but. Um, a moment to acknowledge the work and the human that was Jason Botchford, our colleague who passed away. Um, Just this was a man who, if you have not had a chance to read his work, everything he did on the athletic is unlocked. Um, And just a a special, special person, even so such a special writer 
as well. Um, a model for me, I know for sure, for years and years and years, and, and he will be desperately missed. Yeah, Butch was a good man. It won't be the same in Vancouver, that's for sure. Uh, okay, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will, let's see, this is Thursday. We'll be back with you. I think we may be back with you before Tuesday. Uh, we'll keep you posted. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. And we'll talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.